الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى خصوصا على سيد الرسل وخاتم الأنبياء وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين اجتبى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سبحان الذي أسرى بعبده ليلا من المسجد الحرام إلى المسجد الأقصى إلى المسجد الأقصى الذي باركنا حوله لنريه من آياتنا إنه هو السميع البصير صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين Respected elders, brothers and sisters When we listen to the news and we find how Islam and Muslims are continuously attacked Every other day there's something there on the media which has to do with being against Islam or Muslims. But when we inspect the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we find what type of instructions Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had granted him. In Surah Qalam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَىٰ خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ We have granted you the best of morals, the best of characters. No one has been granted such characters like that. And at that time, we know how the opposition was, how the kuffar were dealing with Muslims, how the kuffar were dealing with Rasulullah They would leave no stone unturned, in harming the Muslims and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But after all of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the instructions that He's giving. The first thing, He's telling Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam that we have given you the best of characters and we want you to maintain that character. We don't want you to become like others. When others are opposing, we don't want you to turn like them. And then the second thing that Allah mentions, and He says, That those non-Muslims, they will be expecting you to compromise with them, show some complacency, so that way they can also, also compromise with you. Allah is saying, don't do any of these. Don't ruin your akhlaq, and at the same time, do what you're supposed to be doing. Don't worry about them. And at that time, when you look at the opposition, it started right from the beginning of Islam. When we look at our condition, we might think that this is something new, maybe we have done something wrong, or there's somebody out there which is giving Islam a bad name. But right from the start, from the time of Rasulullah there were always oppositions. 
right from the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. When the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam stood up and he said, "Inni Rasulullah ilaykum jamia," I have been sent as a messenger to the entire world. The first person that stood up against Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was Abu Lahab, his own uncle, immediate family member. Because of which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had to reveal an entire surah against him. There were some sahaba over there that would come to the Prophet وسلم, and they would say, O Prophet of Allah, they're doing this to us day and night. Just allow us, give us this freedom. We have certain contacts, we have some connections, we have people that can assist us and they can aid us and they can come to our help. And maybe it's possible because of all of this our situation might change. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam simply told them, No, 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 you just do whatever you're supposed to be doing and just leave them alone. Let Allah take care of them. Because of this, within a short period of time, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was able to make such a group of sahaba that now they became immune to all the situations and the conditions that were happening outside. They were totally immune. They would be continuously around the Prophet ﷺ just learning from him. To an extent that when, when an outsider would come and he would observe the gathering and the Sahaba around the Prophet ﷺ, he would say, Ayyukum Muhammad. Which one of you is Muhammad? Yes, I have studied regarding Islam and I have saw, uh, studied certain things in our, in our books. And I have read certain descriptions regarding Muhammad. But when I come over here and I observe all of you people, you all of you are the same. I can't differentiate between you. Because every single person wanted to be like the Prophet Rasulullah had created men like that. And this was the best response to all of those oppositions. He would simply just tell them that I don't have to go out there and try to convince people and to tell people that, you know, I'm not a bad person, Islam is not a bad religion and Muslims are not bad and we're not like this and we're not like that. No, forget about all of that. He would just simply say, look at all these people around me. Each and every single one of them loves to be like me. If there was something wrong with me, none of them would have been around me. Today we are running out there, going out there, trying to convince the world that we are not bad people. What's the need to convince people that we are not bad people when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent us with the best of deen? If we were abiding by the rules and the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnahs of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa we wouldn't have to face this day today. There would be no need for us to go outside and try to convince people because people would have already automatically seen us and seen all of those descriptions upon us. Now when a person is picking up the sirah, he would have no excuse left in saying that I don't like Muhammad or I don't like Islam and the Muslims. Because he can see it on us. But unfortunately, we left all of that. When they see us and they look at us, the first thing that comes to their mind is, well, he's cheating, he's lying, he's deceiving, 
So what good does Islam have? If Muhammad was truly a good person, then Muhammad would have at least taught them these basic things. Who is it there to blame? Is it them or is it ourselves? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا He's telling us that the best example which is there for us is the example in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And if we follow that lifestyle, we will succeed in everything. The entire world is looking for peace. The entire world is looking for success. And we don't even know that we have it ourselves. It's just like that person who possesses diamond. He has a very valuable diamond in his possession. And he doesn't even know about it. He's totally un unaware of it. And other people know about it. So now they're trying to come to him and they try to rob him of it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted us that Quran, that Sunnah, that diamond. But unfortunately we're running all over the world trying to find something else. What does Allah say in the Quran? ظَهَرَ الْفَسَادُ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِي النَّاسِ Every mischief that takes place in this world is because of what human beings have done. What you and I have done. They don't happen automatically. Situations don't just change automatically. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed those situations in our hands. Allah Himself is saying it. That as long as you abide according to my book and according to the teachings of Rasulullah the waves will be on your side. And no sooner that you turn against it and you start leaving it and you start seeking for it elsewhere, then you will start to see that everything is going against you. It's not people from the outside that are coming and trying to destroy Islam. We are destroying Islam from within. We are the first people that are trying to take Islam out of our houses. We don't want this Islam and this Sunnah in our homes. We don't want to see it in our children. Ask our children what do they know about Islam. You can ask them about any celebrity and they'll give you the entire background and entire biography of that celebrity. But you ask them something very simple as the background of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who was Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an, who was Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an, and they won't have any answer for it. A person doesn't want to marry a wife which is hijabi. Why? Because if she goes out with me, people, people will look down upon us. And that woman doesn't want to marry a person who has a beard. Why? Because, you know, that beard, it doesn't look so good. It makes us look awkward. We are the first people that are taking Islam out of our homes. And now when the world is saying to take Islam out of the world or out of their country, what are we complaining about? Who is there to blame? Sometimes we like a sunnah. And when we like that sunnah, we practice upon it. And sometimes, we probably like a sunnah, but we're not really practicing upon it. 
But when we see somebody else practicing upon it, maybe I have a meeting or something where a lot of people are gathering together. And there'll be a huge function. Other people are also there. And then you see that the time for salah comes and one brother, he stands up and he starts performing his salah. The thought that comes into the mind is, I just wish that he didn't pray at this time. Not in front of all of these people. What will they think about us? But if that same person was to stand up and go on the stage and start dancing, suddenly we'll see a smile on our faces. Right from the beginning, we have taken Islam out of our own homes, out of our own lives. Why are we going around complaining? Rasulullah didn't face all of these accusations through trying to convince people. He just simply stuck to whatever was ordered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he left it in the hands of Allah that the situations are in the hands of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of it. And remember that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He also gave us a solution. He didn't just leave us like that and say, you know, you do whatever you feel like doing and then on the day of judgment when you come to me, I will hold you accountable for all those things that you have done. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gave us that option. Because Allah says, وَاللَّهُ مُتِمُّ نُورِهِ وَلَوْ كَرِهَ الْكَافِرُونَ That the deen, Allah, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will spread everywhere. Whether people like it or not. And He says, that it's in your hands to change it. When we start to see that masajids are becoming populated, when we start to see the deen entering into our homes, there will no longer be any time to start convincing people. People will automatically see that on us. Anything that this ummah has lost was because of their disconnection from deen. And whatever this ummah has received and achieved, it was because of their connection to deen. Pick up the books of history, pick up sirah, pick up Islamic history and you'll see that whatever the Muslims had acquired, it was because of their connection with Allah, it was because of their connection with their deen. And no sooner that they lost that connection, they started to face that downfall. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala an, who hasn't heard of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an? When the Muslims were sent to Jerusalem, and at that time, King Heraclius, he spoke to some of the Muslims over there. Those Muslims, there was no war, there was no bloodshed. He says to them, that in our previous books, we have studied that you people have a leader which has certain descriptions. Until that leader doesn't come to us, we won't be handing over the keys to you of Jerusalem. So now they said, no, you know, just hand it over to us if you want to. Said, no, no, no. First go call him and then we'll hand it over. So now the Sahaba, they go back to Madinatul Munawwara where Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala was, of course, you know, the, the leader, he never leaves his place, so he was stationed in Madinatul Munawwara. They come to him and they said that the king is calling you. He wants to hand over the keys only in your hands. 
Because this is what they have read in their books. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala, initially he was concerned. Is this some sort of a plan? Is that a plot? Are they just trying to conspire against me to kill me? They said, no, you know, let's just go, let's see what happens over there. So he starts embarking this journey. And he takes with them a camel or some animal along with the servant. And as they are walking, he tells his servant that the distance from Madinatul Munawwara to Jerusalem, it's long. So let's just take turns on this camel. I know out of respect, maybe you are allowing me to mount this camel throughout the entire trip, but I don't like that for myself. I want you to also get half of that share. So now throughout the entire way, half the time Umar ibn Khattab is on this animal, and half the time the servant of him is on this animal. Somewhere along the way, Umar ibn Khattab also falls into some mud. And now his clothes are becoming very muddy and dirty. And he also had some patches on his clothes. Now you have to understand what these people over there in Jerusalem are waiting for. We're talking about the king. All the bishops are over there. The Jewish community was over there. They're all waiting for that one famous leader that they have been reading all uh, about all along in their books. So now they're wondering who this mysterious man is. When suddenly Umar ibn Khattab is coming and before he even enters into the city, they have this red carpet laid down for approximately a mile and a half. When he reaches near the city, Ubaid ibn al-Jarrah radiallahu an, and Amr radiallahu an, they see Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala in this situation. And they start asking him, that what happened to you? You know, it'll be a shame upon us that you are going to go meet the kings and this is your condition? We want you to dress up nicely and put on the best garments and apply the best of fragrances. We want you to be presentable before the kings. What do you think was the response of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an? He says to them, he gets very upset. And he says to them, We were people that were so ignorant before we accepted Islam. Nobody cared about us. People used to throw us away like trash. People used to consider us as Bedouins. People who were totally illiterate, who had no knowledge about the world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted us that honor and dignity and glory through this Islam. And now you're telling me to leave out the same Islam because through which I got this glory? Because of the position where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept me, it was through this Islam and you're trying to tell me to abandon the same Islam? Look at their situation and look at our situation. Look at their understanding and their way of thinking and look at our way of thinking. It's a huge difference. They used to practice upon the sunnah because it was a sunnah. 
Today we're leaving out that same sunnah saying it's just a sunnah. See the difference. And they knew that their connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was only through salah. If they left this salah, they have lost everything. And whenever Muslims would be residing anywhere in history, people were always happy. Why? Because they knew that if this person is a Muslim, he will never cheat. He will, he will never lie. He will never deceive you. He will deal with you fairly, with justice. He won't do anything which will harm you. But when you look at it today, do you think people can say the same about us today? How many times are we missing our salah? The same salah that Rasulullah was so happy to receive. It was over there where Jibreel والسلام, takes Rasulullah from Makkah al Mukarramah to Masjid al Aqsa. Subhanallah, Asra bi Abdihi Laylam min al Masjid al Haram ila al Masjid al Aqsa. Look at the words that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using over here. He uses the word Abd, which means no matter what you have, you may be the best of creation, but at the end of the day, you are still my servant. He uses the word abd, which means slave, servant. Jibreel takes Rasulullah to Masjid al-Aqsa. And this was the place where 124,000 Anbiya prophets, they collectively performed salah. And Rasulullah led the salah. And then further on, he goes to Allah and he receives these salahs, 50 salahs. He comes back down and he meets Musa salam on the way Musa salam is asking what happened. He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's overjoyed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted us some salahs. Now we can directly connect ourselves with Allah. Musa salam said, no, 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 that's too much. 50 salahs, I already had this experience with my nation, they, they weren't able to pray. Go ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for some discount and bring it down. He goes back up, Allah reduces to 45. He comes back down, Musa salam is asking what happened. He says, now it's 45. No, 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 that's still too much. Go back up. He goes back to Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reduces it to 40. And then this continuously took place where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is going up and he's coming down and he's meeting Musa salam. And every time Musa salam is giving the same reply. Until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reduces it to five salahs. After those five salahs, when he presented it to Sahaba Ridwanullahi ta'ala alimajma'in, Sahaba were just overjoyed. We have a direct connection with Allah. But today we are leaving that same salah. This is where our downfall began. How can you blame others? When Rasulullah is telling us ways that we can become successful in this world. Sometimes we think maybe we don't have wealth and we don't have certain uh, influence or we don't possess certain things because of which the world is looking down upon us. No, go and check out those Muslim countries. What hasn't Allah given them? Look at that gold and silver and the luxuries of the world that they have. Are we lacking wealth? No, that's not what we're lacking. We're lacking something else. And that's our a'mal. 
And until our a'mal are not there, believe me, the conditions will never change. Rasulullah is telling us that a person who starts off his day after Salatul Fajr, early in the morning, he made this dua for this ummah, Allahumma barik li ummati fi bukuriha. Wallah plays barakah for my ummah in the beginning hours of the day. If you go to the Muslim countries, what do we see? What time do they wake up? What time do they go to work? What time are we going to work? What time do we start our day off? 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And then if you look at the non-Muslims, go to the non-Muslim countries, they're starting their day off exactly according to this hadith. What is it that they know that we don't know? Where is our success? This is very important. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He never abandoned us. He always gives us chances after chances. And especially with all these conditions around us, we have to bear in mind that no matter how bad the situations can get, if a person turns back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he repents, and he makes this sincere intention that from now on, I will try to implement as many sunnahs into my life, and I will try to bring complete deen into my life, and I will do whatever it takes to fulfill the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then inshallah, we will start to experience that peace that we are missing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us his understanding and the ability to practice upon our deen. Aqul aqulli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa lisa'il al-muslimin wal-muslimat wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.